All right, hello and welcome to Between the Liars with Ryan. And guess who is back? We have Josh from the Dead. I have returned. <laughs> hello, everyone. When do you defend? Um, it will probably be closer towards like the uh, end of May. I think the new deadline of when everything has to be like turned in by will be June first. Uh, I still have to do uh, like some of that paperwork, but that paperwork isn't due until the end of this month, even. So, all right, red tape, uh, red tape. Problems for future bad. Joshua <laughs> and Marcelo. Hey, everyone. And we have a returning guest. TJ is back again with an update on the Claire Worth situation. Welcome back, TJ. Thank you for having me on. (laughs) Yeah, pleasure to have you back. This is easy content because, you know, with Josh being swamped and everything, you know, we can just kind of show up and we let you kind of be the star of our show today. So (laughs) easy for us. Um, All right. So we are going to get into the Claire Worth situation here right after these announcements. Let's start off by telling you that if you are not following us on our Instagram, our Facebook page, our Twitter, our YouTube and our TikTok, why not? Uh, I mean, come on, we're we're hilarious. So we got to get more of Josh and Marcelo on our TikTok. But uh, yeah, it's it's a good time. So follow us for updates so that you know what's coming up and what to expect. And I'll give it over to Josh. Yeah, and as we try to get our videos out, and as we have successfully done so today at noon central, as often as we can, given you know some of our schedules with academics, and there's just different seasons of uh, whether it's your degree track or whether it's the debate season that can keep us up. But that's one of the most important reasons to follow us on our social medias, because then you can keep up with when our episodes are going up. You can see them when we go up. If we don't hit our target of trying to get our videos live every Saturday, but you can find us on our videos on Facebook, on YouTube. You can find the, the um, video on demand there. Although. Apparently not one of our most recent ones, which would be what we'll be getting into here and later today. So that's also a good reason of why you want to catch us live in case we make some company mad and they decide to take our video away. And as usual, you can find the merch that we have still up on Redbubble. And that has, you know, oh, I mean, uh, Ryan's got it right there. If you all can see him right there with his mug and get stuff like all types of that stuff. And for our final announcement about the music as um, continued in fashion, I'll pass it over to Marcelo. Thank you, Josh. Um, as always, uh, we have music, and it's great music, amazing music. And it's courtesy of Andrew Hensley over at Secret Spike Studio 865 Audio. And his single is still out, it's Misty, and it's available on all major streaming platforms. So please, please check it out. We love his music. All right. So congratulations to TJ, because the last time that we did this and we went through the entire attempt by the Claire Worth campaign to uh, threaten TJ and to bribe him, they took both channels there. Uh, that was our highest performing YouTube video. Uh, we had about 100 views and then on our Facebook channel we had closer to 300 so we were up there so you know finally caught big tech side and they took it down uh, really really interesting situation because uh, uh, TJ you you also had your videos taken down isn't that right uh, and you appealed those yes I did and uh, they upheld the they upheld the ban despite there being clear exceptions for matters of public interest I, I do find it somewhat comical that the appeal process basically means someone takes your lunch money you go to them and ask for it back and they they just say no like it's very much in my opinion kind of a it's it's a facade like i think that it's to kind of <laughs> it, it gives you the appeal but interestingly enough uh, our video was taken down because it claimed that we violated privacy and you know interestingly enough accompanying that youtube put out a statement in their email when they warn you about this and they say you know we do consider making exceptions for public interest um or for like if it's if it's information that's already out there and i would think that a politician who is running for office who is Threatening people and bribing people would be in the public interest for them to know that before they vote for them. But uh, I, I don't I don't know. We'll see how this goes. I have not finished the appeals process yet. I'm not terribly hopeful given TJ's situation, but uh, I'm they, they, they were pretty vague. Also, uh, they didn't state what the violation was. I'm going to guess it's the fact that we had the two campaign managers plastered in the background of our entire discussion. And I think that uh, they probably pointed that out and said that uh, if you identify them, then they're potentially open to harassment. Harassment, which is ironic because they also still allow the videos of them actually harassing TJ to be up that they've posted. Uh, so why don't we start? I'll turn it over to TJ. What is the update with her? I know you've she she sent your friends after you and she sent some of her own people after you. Why don't you fill us in on that? Yeah, so I was at a Northern Kentucky Tea Party meeting. I've been going to events making it clear like, hey, you guys are going to hear a speech from a person who's going to claim to be on your side, who's going to be claim to be pro-freedom, who's going to claim to be America first, who's going to claim to uphold your values, to want to be against corruption, to who wants to run incumbents out of office. But the only thing you're going to realize is that only one of those is true. And it's that she wants to run out one specific incumbent. When you look at who she affiliates with, 
They are Lincoln Project donors. They donated to Amy McGrath. They donated to Joe Biden, which, I mean, do what you you will, but don't pretend to be a conservative with those donations in your, in, in your repertoire. I exposed them that the fact that they offered me money to be quiet about past inconsistent statements. So at that point, you really don't know what you should believe about this person. And while I was handing them out, one of my friends, Jay Williams, who's running for state Senate in Kentucky, walks in. I decide to walk over to him to have a brief talk so because he was speaking at the same event just to make sure he was ready to go with it. As I'm walking out, Claire Worth and her campaign team follow me outside and put essentially corner me, start berating me, has a guy who's about a head taller than me, which tells you something. I'm like 6'1", 6'2", depending upon who I'm lying to. Um, but <laughs> That's a good one. It's a guy that I know for a fact has violent criminal convictions of battery and is getting in my face. This weird conspiracy theorist who talks about how evil Catholics are and how they, quote, love little boys like the Romans do, is claiming that I'm not an actual believer because I call him Jesus instead of Yeshua, I whatever that is. Just all kinds of weird stuff. Other people that were at the event could tell something was wrong. So my friend Tammy Nolan came outside, started filming to make sure that, like, if something happened, this was well documented. And thank God they did, because... I mean, these people do have this tendency, and even after the event host is telling them that they are being loud and disrupting these events, they still kept going, which it is what it is. I was advised to leave that event for my safety, um, and I did. I followed through on that. And then Claire, while I was gone, thinking that no one else knew who, who this guy was, attempted to utilize one of my deceased friends as an as an endorsement of hers. Claimed that my friend and mentor Scott Hofstra had endorsed her and that his family was supporting her. Thank God another one of my friends, Carrie Cox, was in the audience and said that uh, she's going to call BS on that and just says, You're, you cannot use the words of a dead man that can't be confirmed. Because I know for a fact that never happened. That's that's pretty low. What what was she claiming was the grounds for the support? Like if if he's deceased, is she, she just thinking that he would have supported her? Uh, she uh, no. She straight up said that Scott Hofstra's daughter gave her permission to speak on her behalf, which actually led to Scott Hofstra's daughter coming out publicly and saying, "No, this did not happen." The only person. That Scott Hofstra endorsed in the 2022 election cycle is Lee Watts, who's running for Congress in Kentucky's second district. That's it. And that no one has authorization to speak on his behalf except for the Hofstra family. It was one of the most disgusting things I've, I, I mean, to try to do that. So what does Claire Worth's campaign do in response? They decide to smear Carrie Cox and claim that she's a self-proclaimed witch. Um, These sound like interesting people. <laughs> right. Cites Leviticus directing it at Thomas Massey and, and and Carrie, making the claim that they should be put to death for essentially making a deal with the devil. So that all continues. And I guess this is what they mean by putting your head on a spike of coming after you, coming after your friends, dragging your name through the mud, which continued through one of Claire's, uh, Claire's affiliates who's running for governor, just giving blatantly false allegations toward me as well that don't even bare repeating, frankly. They were so false. And luckily I was recording audio to prove that what they claimed did not happen. But it's fun stuff. And there was, was it a local Kentucky channel that you had sent me a link for shortly thereafter uh, where he had mentioned you in his his little uh, monologue there? Yes. So, uh, so I'll name the guy. The guy's name is Eric Dieters. He's a trust fund baby with a uh, permanently suspended law license who can't stand the fact that there are other people actually making effective moves fighting for freedom. Mm. I mean, he just has a Napoleon complex to the fullest extent. <laughs> I, I truly do pray for that man's mental health. Um, he's decided that he's going to use some more of his dad's money to make a run for governor of Kentucky on a platform that sounds like a sixth grade vocal essay on Kentucky's history. But yeah, so I I decided I was going to go to the restaurant where his campaign announcement was happening. And just I took a couple of photos of it. Claire was there. Took I never went into the actual place where the event was. I just stayed in the restaurant area. They were in the bar area. Took two pictures of it. Could tell there's like 20 people there or so. 
two people if you discount the campaign volunteers and staff. As I go back to my table and wait for my to-go order, a person who I later t- t- learn is Eric Dieter's son-in-law comes up and like starts asking me, who sent you? Who are you sending these pictures to? And it's like, I'm here by my own accord and please leave me alone as I'm like just sitting here at a restaurant. Like, um, I get my to-go order. I leave. This guy follows me out, continues to berate me, nothing major. And then a second guy comes out with a gun at which point I go back inside and I'm like, these people followed me out. Yeah. They're armed in a bar. There are a lot of problems with what is going on here. I then leave. I go to another restaurant, just decompress. And then I realize that there's this black Jeep SUV following me. I get back in my car. I drive off toward the Fort Mitchell Police Department. I call 911, make it clear like, hey, these guys are following me and I want this recorded. They took a photo of me at the second location, which if you want to see how delusional Eric Dieters and Claire Worth are, Eric Dieters put this up on all four of his personal Facebook accounts saying that this person was cited at Oriental Walk propositioning children in the bathroom. Says the man with four Facebook accounts. Yeah, so he's making the claim that a photo he took of me at an entirely different location, that he doesn't know who I am, even though we have one of his campaign staffers on video saying, hi, TJ, so they know who I am. And he has multiple videos of me dating back to January. It is such an obvious attempt for him to smear me. Mm. So I posted this. So I posted the video of these guys confronting me because it's like, you know, if that's what they were confronting me over, you'd think they would mention that. And frankly, if I was actually propositioning children in the bathroom, you'd think the man with the gun would have shot me because frankly, I would have deserved it. But none of that happened. Right. And also... It's on video. I never went into the bathroom in any of those locations. So it's just, it's either the delusions of a madman or the deliberate lies of a well-funded, politically motivated plant attempting to smear people who disagree with their methods. Which it makes sense given that we have them on recording saying, if I don't take the money, they're going to put my head on a spike. So now, given that you've been at some of the events exposing Claire Worth. You've you've taken to social media. You've done these things. I'm, I'm, it seems like they're now coming after you on a personal level to discredit you, intimidate you. Intimidation didn't work. Bribery didn't work. Now it looks like it's a smear campaign potentially just to try and discredit you maybe. Oh, so, I think that Eric Peters is trying to get me killed. One of his followers straight up threatened to hang me from a tree. Oh, well, that's, yeah, that's. Um, mentioned having a long rope and a tall oak tree. Hmm. I sincerely believe that is his goal. Because you don't, you don't accuse someone of being a sexual predator toward children unless your goal is severe bodily harm to come to them. You just don't. No. Now, I'll go ahead and, t- and toss in here uh, just to preempt the uh, social media moderators about like the ideas of privacy here. Everyone who works for a political campaign, that's public record. Yeah. Uh, people's past court records and convictions, like TJ mentioned about this one fellow, that's all public record. Yeah. Everything TJ said about like these people, other than his personal experiences, is all available on Google. And, and at some level, even though we're just some weirdos with a podcast, there's at least a journalistic <laughs> aspect here of saying of this is what someone experienced and this is what someone lived through. Because even though TJ and I are probably on like diametric opposites of every political map you could ever make, I've, you know, I've, I've you know, I've been like uh, like through this. I'm a left wing activist. I've had my car vandalized. I've had my address posted online. I had people show up at my college apartment in Middle Tennessee and harass me in my parking lot and come like. Um, and it wasn't ever like targeted from a specific political campaign. It was more from a specific organization called Identity Europa, um, which has like their all own problems. And there was a different organization in uh, East Tennessee called the Knights of Saint Ambrose that um, still still don't like me. But it, it fundamentally shows at some level for a lot of people that they think they can solve political issues with violence, with fear, with things that undermine every notion of even like what we try to do on this podcast of having people with different political opinions on people, you know, coming on here to say, you know, and express their different ideas. Because even if like you want to like talk about like going to like the social media censorship of like different political ideas, fundamentally, that's not what's going on here. This is a politician. This is the entrenched and powerful system trying to bully someone for not complying to them. 
And this isn't even just like the big, you know, can't even be narrowly broken down to some like left-wing censorship of right-wing censorship. Like this is like an internal, you know, Republican related like struggle that this is happening to and how they've weaponized these systems, literally weaponized them to threaten and harass someone. Um, I mean, I mean, I remember being at protests where, you know, the police officers came up to us and they said, hey, uh, we have, you know, we have a we have a helicopter in there uh, overwatching the um, the protests. And there's a group of people they are assembling and they're looking like they're coming this way. And you all need to immediately evacuate because we will hold until we get out. But we can't establish a perimeter. So you all need to get out. And that was you know, back in uh, 2017 uh, for me when that happened. But like this level of like political violence that occurs you know, in America still happens at like some level of frequency. Yeah, I was living in East Tennessee and someone came up and vandalized my car with the words commie Jew on them. Like, sure, let's like, let's have it. It's incredible that there's people out like out there like that. And it's even more disconcerting when you realize that a lot of the people in power running for office in office are those very same people as well. And, and Josh, that, that brings me to another thing. Like, you're right. You and I are very much on the opposite end of just about every single policy position. Like, this isn't a Republican versus Democrat thing. This is a corrupt versus non-corrupt thing. And that's the thing. Like, Claire Worth is polling at 3%. In this primary, Eric Dieters is probably going to get less than that. The only place where he has a name ID <laughs> is Northern Kentucky, and he is known as Kentucky's greatest case for a Baker Act. I, I, I mean, he's not going to get above three percent in his primary. These guys don't have what these guys don't personally have political power. But they, at the fundamental level, are the types who, if they did get political power, rhetoric notwithstanding, would sell that out at the drop of a hat. Because at the fundamental level, in their character, they are corrupt. And that's one thing that a lot of people don't realize is like, you don't have to have political power to be corrupt. You can be ambitious toward wanting political power and absolutely be corrupt. And that's what you're seeing here is these individuals want a piece of the pie so bad. Claire Worth wants to be one 435th of one half of one third of the federal government so badly that she's willing to ally herself with a permanently suspended uh, quote unquote attorney who lied to nurses about their legal rights and caused them to lose their jobs during one of the worst economic downturns in our nation's history. She chose to ally herself with that guy. She chose to completely contradict past public statements because she thinks that her past public statements are not politically popular because she wants to be less than one thousandth of the federal government so badly. I've listened to episode one and two, but uh, one of the other uh, good political podcasts uh, I always enjoy listening to is uh, Behind the Bastards. It's a great like history uh, podcast and political podcast. And uh, they've recently started doing their uh, Henry Kissinger episodes. It's gonna, it's taking them six episodes. It's going to be six hours talking about there. But a lot of it reminds me about this because for Kissinger, it didn't matter. You know, it doesn't matter. I guess the guy's still alive. Oh, that's unfortunate. Um, it didn't matter who was in power. Kissinger was going to change and say what, what he was saying, what he believed based on that when it was JFK and JFK wanted, you know, to be like, maybe we should not have, you know, be using atomic weapons as much. That became Kissinger's policy, whether it was Republican, Democrat, no matter who it was, from being best friends with Richard Nixon to Hillary Clinton, Henry Kissinger always wants himself in that room and is willing to say and do whatever it takes to get himself into those rooms. There's a lot of dead people in the world and a lot of unnecessary wars because other people let Henry Kissinger get into a position like that. And that's what these, you know, what I I get the vibe of like this Claire, you know, Claire person's like, there is no core value other than they just want power. And that just means they don't care about anyone or anything. They aren't not there trying to help anyone. They're there just to fit the mold of the stamp to get what they want for themselves and probably their cronies as well. And I think what Josh had mentioned earlier is what to me is the scariest here. And this has kind of been mentioned, but I really want to elaborate on it. When someone vandalizes Josh's car, that's, that's, clearly wrong. That's clearly problematic. No one in their right mind should support that. Same for TJ. The big issue here though, for me is that these are not like angry activists. These are politicians, aspiring politicians. They have the money and the power of the worst parts of the government behind them. And this, you know, this is a, <laughs> we, we are dragging the GOP right now. It's not unique to them. Like this is just, it's not unique to one political party. And the fact that, you know, Claire Worth isn't even using this money or resources to go after her opponents. I mean, I said last time, if she put this much effort into trying to win and have better policies, she'd probably be polling better than 3%. 
Like I, I really think that that would be the case. But instead, she wants this power so badly, she is using her resources to offer TJ money out of her expenses accounts illegally to try to get him to stop. And number two, she's using that and her resources and her influence to send people after him and then claiming that she's not. That And, and this is really the slippery, snaky politician that I despise. Is uh, I think there's a video of it, isn't there, TJ, of, of uh, you basically saying you sent these people. She's like, no, it wasn't me. And it's like plausible deniability. It's it's clearly people who are, and I don't think that a politician is responsible for all of the worst people, the fringe people who support them. But when she's not saying that they need to stop or she's not working to stop it, then, then that's still a problem. Right. And beyond that as well, like Lane Coke, Duke Vu, those were her campaign consultants. Those are your highest level members of the campaign. Like just short of the campaign manager and the candidate themselves, the consultants are the most important people. They speak with the candidate and speak with the campaign manager and discern the strategy and they execute said strategy. There is no way. And I've, I've known Lane Koch and Duke Vu for a while. There is no way they would have done what they did if they were not told to do it because they know that is a high risk, high reward strategy there. And that is a risk that no consultant in their right mind would make unless the candidate explicitly told them to do it. Plain and simple. As a consultant, I can tell you that much. And it seems to me that at least, you know, we don't have the video evidence showing at this time that she knows and that she's supporting it. But I mean, it, it doesn't take a lot of leaps there to figure that out. No, I mean, <laughs> she is in a position at least where she is the figurehead of that campaign. And if she's not going to stop those people and they're representing her and speaking on behalf of her, then she's involved, right? Unless they went around behind her back and are doing it without her, then at that point, you're a terrible politician who can't manage their own uh, campaign. So like one thing or another, like it's not going to, it's not going to come out where I think it's a good light for her. Right. And above and beyond that as well, like if she wasn't responsible, she would have come out with a public statement by now saying she uh, that, that she wasn't involved. She would have told her, her activists to leave me alone. She would have told her political allies like Eric Dieters to leave me alone and not send thugs to follow me to other locations. I mean, all of these things that she chose not to do deliberately. And, and that's the thing. If she denied it like wholeheartedly and told people to lay off of me, you know, that would cast some doubt as to whether she was truly involved with it. Maybe they did go rogue, which would be really, really weird. But I mean, I do not see how a reasonable person could look at everything that has happened. And with the fact that after I've exposed it, these people actually have come after me. How as, dating as far back as December, those same people who followed me at Oriental Walk, they were at a meeting that I went to with one of my clients at Longnecks in Wilder, Kentucky. And they tried to follow me there as well. I mean, and this was all after the threat to put my head on a spike. This was all after Claire Worth and Eric Dieters started working together. I, I mean, it's not hard to put two and two together. They're just creating these degrees of separation. But the thing is, what happens on your campaign is representative of you as the candidate. Th that's why I don't really attach myself to campaigns all that much. I, I don't like, because frankly, I want to be able to do stuff by my own accord. I, I mean, that's just, that's just the reality of it. Yeah. It's, it's one of the nice things about being a political com commentator instead of a political candidate is that we can just sit back and we can criticize everybody, right? Like this yes. week we're dragging Claire Worth. Next week we'll drag the next politician that messes up. And I think that this is a really important message that I really want to send out about this podcast is that the four of us are united on exposing things like this when it's corrupted, right? Like I, I sent Marcelo and Josh in our group chat the update about, hey, our video was taken down. We're going to have TJ back. And, you know, Josh has been out of it a little bit because he's been so busy with the debate nationals and then also with his thesis. And he was like, I don't know exactly what's going on, but we're, we're dragging the system. Let's do it. Like, I mean, and that's, that's where we're at is we want a platform where people who wildly disagree get to find areas of agreement. And this is one of them. So Marcelo, uh, do you want to interject anything before we go on to our next section? Well, I mean, I'm just listening. I, okay. you know, this is, I was hoping to come here and be like, oh, oh drama, but this is a lot more serious than I thought. Uh, <laughs> TJ, I'm very sorry that happened to you. Um, and obviously, you know, the, the coldest thing today will be that this is acceptable in any way that is not, definitely. And it's just, it's horrifying. As someone who mostly follows national politics, I know that this stuff happens all the time when, when it comes to like big, you know, when, when stuff breaks out. But the reality is that it happens everywhere and like at every level of political participation, this has the potential to happen and it does happen. Absolutely. And I'm sorry that this is like as serious as it is. I will say a lot of this is like 
I find some of it funny. I don't find the threats funny. I don't find the following me funny. I don't find the false accusations funny. But the fact that they're all doing this at a 24-year-old impoverished law student, I find that pretty funny. It's actually kind of pathetic, too, at, at, at some points. Like, the, the fact that I, you know, from what you have told us, it seems like, uh, you know, they're hoping that this will just quiet down eventually in one way or another. But the fact that they, there's nothing public about it yet is it, very telling on what their intentions are. Yeah. And uh, TJ, we got a question from one of our viewers. Angela asked, does TJ anticipate further blowback from airing this out? I do. Oh, absolutely. I mean, at the same time, like, this is something that needs to come out. This is one of the first times where we have such open corruption truly documented. Like, deep down, the people have known this happens. I I mean, but this is one of those instances where people think back to Vincent Foster, for example, who shot himself in the back of the head with a shotgun twice, according to the official narrative. People think back to this and think, is this what happened to them? People think back to what happened. To I mean, the FBI killed Fred Hampton. Right, right. And I, I mean, who knows what happened to MLK? Who knows what happened to JFK? I mean, there's so much there, right? And where like at least the people who did that stuff were smart enough to cover their tracks. The problem with this one was they chose to come after someone who was smarter than them. Because in case you guys don't take anything from this, it's that Claire Worst campaign is not that smart. They chose to do this over the phone, not like, because here's the thing. They had people following me before that. I, I guarantee you they did. Like, they could have just figured out what my patterns were and just walked up to me when I was at a restaurant, not suspecting anything, and just said this to me in a private conversation. And there would have been no documentation. Rather, they chose to reach out to me, call me over the phone, where all it takes for me to record a phone call is the press of a button. I, I mean, thank God they were so stupid. Thank God they were so stupid because now we know. And not only do we know that this happens, we can prove this happens. We have tangible, hard evidence that there is open corruption in politics, particularly campaign side. And and if this is what's happening with, with these clowns, imagine where it gets whenever you get to the really intelligent people who know how to cover their tracks. Yeah. Well, and this is where... I will give YouTube at face value their statement that they value the privacy of the public and of their consumers, and that's that's fine. I think that it's a huge mistake to not make an exception for this. And they also claim that they are only allowed to take these complaints when they're made through the first person. So I could not, on behalf of TJ, be offended or say, hey, he's being exposed. That means the two people in the video are Claire Worth had to be the ones who got that video taken down. So that that's why I say I know that it was them who took it down. And in order to avoid any type of misinformation, slander charges from them or anybody else now or in the future, I've, I have said the campaign just to generalize and have a catch-all. I don't know who did it. But somebody, one of those three, because the only three that we mentioned in that video got it taken down. There, were, there was well, only there, two who were in the background. There was a fourth person. Who do we mention? Yeah, you have Claire Worth, you have Lane Coke, you have Duke Vu. We didn't mention her by name, but there was a campaign volunteer for Claire Worth's campaign. I'm just going to say her first name on this, Heather. Sure. She was the person who made the claim that Claire had never hired a consulting firm. And then when I proved that it did, she said, well, that doesn't prove the call happened. Mm-hmm. And then whenever I showed the call, she said, well, that doesn't prove the content of the call. Such um, lawyers. They're like, <laughs> instead well, of saying I didn't do this, they're like, well, yeah. she, she also bad. just. Well, it's funny that you mentioned lawyer because she, uh, when while the video was still up, which the video is still up on my Facebook, and I'd imagine Good. that just got them all hot and bothered, is what it is. But they uh, tried to reach out to a uh, lawyer about suing me for violating privacy. <laughs> the only problem with that is that lawyer that uh, she reached out to was actually my lawyer. So there's a bit of a conflict of interest. A little bit. Just just and, a smidge. You know, whenever they initially threatened to put my head on a spike, I actually spoke with my lawyer before I went to the FBI about it. Yeah, that, that that's, a, I mean, well, well, the separation of assault and battery is, you know, uh, battery is when they hit you, but threatening someone like that is assault. Yeah. That is legal assault. That is a crime to threaten someone's life like that. That is not acceptable from a politician, from a private citizen. You cannot it is not acceptable for a modern democratic society to tolerate death threats in the political arena, and even in just in a polite and kind society in general. But for a democratic society to function, threats of death and violence is what breaks politics. Oh, absolutely. 
Absolutely. I can't really say much on the legal conclusion of it because not a lawyer, but I'm inclined <laughs> to. Uh, I, I'd like to get my license to practice law because, like, well, there's this running joke that the biggest difference between me, me and Eric Dieters is that once I finish law school, I'll actually be eligible to have a license to practice law. He lost his license to practice law, by the way, because of threats of violence. He threatened mm. to burn down a courthouse. Oh, well, you know. Uh, yeah, that's what the officers are supposed to do. <laughs> I think, I oh think that'll do that to you. That, that, that sounds like a pretty pretty fast way of getting your license. Uh, again, it's, it, it's a glorious way to lose your license to practice law. I'll give him credit. If anything, he's he's flamboyant. I give it about burning bridges and you mean. <sighs> Literally. Okay, so I'm just blown away that, number one, that they would do this. They'd be so stupid to do this. Number two, they'd be so stupid that they'd be able to be caught and recorded like this. So yeah, I, I, another great reason that we need to have this up, YouTube lords, please let this stay up because, you know, this is basically TJ's testimonial that he was in the right. So, you know, they try to pull anything on him. We've got the evidence. Also, go to the little link tree that we got in our in our bios, drop down to our website. That's all us. We run that. So I've got the videos downloaded. We'll upload them. So if you want to watch these at a later time and they're not available on YouTube, because if I re-upload it and for some reason I miscalculated what the privacy concern was, we get a second strike, we can be suspended. Uh, and then three, I think, is a permaban. So I'm not really in the business of, of threatening our platform completely, as minimal as it is at the moment. So go look for those on our main website under videos. We'll have that uploaded as as a just a, an M, as a MP4 uploaded third party. Uh, TJ, why don't you <laughs> tell us now about uh, was there anything that you needed to add about about her going after your lawyer uh, for the for that story? I mean, so the whispering campaigns are hilarious because. When you do a whispering campaign against someone What is else, a whispering campaign? I, I don't know what that is. So yeah. let's start so there. That's where you as the candidate or you as the campaign don't exactly say, say it in a public manner. You make something up and you give it to stooges in a way, to individuals that act as proxies for your campaign and just believe what you say and spread it around, right? So that way there's multiple sources the Fun fact, media does that too. <laughs> They'll leak oh, something oh. sometimes and then say, oh yeah, oh, God, we heard from another source. Politicians and media, be aware, just oh. if they don't disclose the source, could be this. Yes. And so the thing that's hilarious about whispering campaigns though is the more well-connected the person, the whispering campaign is against, the quicker it gets back to you. Well, it got back to me that what Claire and her campaign are now doing is they are, in, they are accusing me of entrapment. What? <laughs> okay, so to explain exactly what that is and from a legal sense what that means. Okay. What can a private citizen entrap? Well, that's the that's the part that's the, that's really hilarious. Um, so full disclosure, I'm not a lawyer. None of this is legal advice. I'm just making sure that there's no way that they can actually get me for something on this. But this is according to my criminal law textbook. Okay, written by Professor Alex Kreit, who is actually my criminal law professor. He's very good at what he does. Entrapment has the two following essential elements. If you can't meet both of these, it's not entrapment. So the first one is government inducement of the crime. So you've already got that. It's already done. I, I'm not a government actor, so I can't do entrapment. But then second, let's just suppose I was a Fed, all right? Let, let's just suppose I'm with the CIA. I, I don't know. The CIA has taken so much of an interest that they sent me after Claire Worth to destroy her. I, I don't know, which, frankly, that clip's probably going to get cut and put in a TV ad now. Honestly, I think that'd be really cool. Please do it, Claire. Um, <laughs> we can make second, that happen. <laughs> <laughs> the second, yeah, that'll be the clip we post to advertise it. DJ supports Claire Worth. What a shocking turn of events, and you all missed it on our live. Talk about clickbait there. No, just like the CIA has taken so much interest in Claire Worth that they sent me to destroy her. Like that clip right there. That's what I like. You guys need to do that in the advertisement. I think that would be hilarious. But the uh, second element. So let's just suppose I, I am a Fed. Government inducement of the crime and a lack of predisposition on the part of the defendant to engage in the criminal conduct. So in other words, there has to have been no prior thought among those committing the crime to have done it, right? Like here's just a good example was there was one instance where the FBI had a literally radicalized a young man into radical Islam and then convinced him to build a bomb for, I think it was Al Qaeda. Like this was a long time ago. Like that's entrapment. The government induced a kid into building a bomb for a terrorist organization whose ideals, when the government started this inducement, this kid didn't even share. We have it on the phone call. They said that they've done this before. 
I mean, that's prior disposition. So even if I induced them to, right? And I, I could tell that the entrapment allegation was coming because when Claire's people confronted me, they kept asking me whether Duke Vu was my friend, which simple answer was, no, he's not. I thought he was. And then he threatened to put my head on a spike and then he stopped being my friend. Like, they were trying to say that I coordinated this whole thing, which is one of the most ridiculous assertions ever. Because here's the thing. If I was trying to induce something that would just destroy the campaign, I would have done something that, like, would have landed all parties involved in prison. I mean, let's face it. If I'm trying to destroy someone, I'm going for the jugular. You're probably not going after a 3% polar either. Right. It's not worth my time. (laughs) And besides, the ego, the way she views herself to think that she is so self-important that that you would be doing entrapment towards her. Just right. And and so that's the thing is like, it's by definition, it can't be entrapment. But no, I did not coordinate. So yeah, that that's just the general background of the whispering campaign. And as a result, like there are people who I thought were my friends echoing this and just saying like, oh, it just seems like you're the one who coordinated this whole thing. It's like, okay, well, you just proved to me where your loyalties truly lie at that point. Like, frankly, here's the thing. I can get over just about every policy disagreement. There's very few where I'm like, I have a serious problem with your morality if you hold this policy position. I'm pretty open-minded toward letting people believe whatever they want to believe. I start having problems whenever you start saying that the methods that the Clareworth campaign is using are ethical. That's where I draw a line. That's fair. It's curious enough, uh, uh, TJ, it's because one of the reasons I left working in conventional politics on campaign is because I was tried to by, be in proxy, be involved and take part of someone's whisper campaign for like a state level house. And then once I finally got a better grip of like what was going on, and this was... Really, even after, I mean, one of one of the more uh, fond campaign memories I have was working for uh, Mariah Phillips while she was wor- running for the fourth congressional district in Tennessee, and we we actually had you know whisper campaigns run against her because she you know was uh, you know is a you know a school teacher, a community member, local you know volunteer vo- volunteers of the local charities you know does things to you know to support the community, and then this other guy who inherited his parents' money claimed to have actually worked in the mines and. When in fact it was just his parents owning a minor company, a mining company, and faked union bugs on his Democratic campaign ads, which I know a lot of people outside of like uh, outside of the campaign sphere don't get that. But when you're a Democrat and when you buy your flyers, your yard signs, or all that other stuff, it needs it has to come from a union shop. Like that's just it's part of the political mechanisms for Democratic policies. And this guy faked a union bug, which is a thousand times worse than not having it in the first place. And a union bug is a little stamp that the union has to certify that this was made by them from their people um, so that you know you're buying, you know, a quality good by workers who are getting taken care of from their employer or by, you know, by the union. So like I've I've had like good, like good memories in it working, you know, like foreign people. But then I remember it was probably even more intensely during like the 2016 presidential like campaign. It was when I ultimately had like my gigantic falling out with the Tennessee Democratic Party and I got in like a 300 something Facebook comment argument with the Tennessee Democratic Party chair. One of the curious fallouts of that is I lost, I mean, what lost is a strong here term. Uh, my Facebook friends number went from 1800 to 1500 in the span of like 36 hours because I was pushing back on Facebook about the Tennessee Democratic Party endorsing Mike Bloomberg as the candidate that the Tennessee Democratic Party wanted to campaign for. Uh, like, uh, sure, you know, you know, we're going to like be like, like pushing like, you know, for Sanders or like the most far left that, you know, the Democrats can like usually like throw up there but of the moderates to pick mike bloomberg <laughs> the billionaire trying to buy like basically the democratic trump a billionaire trying to buy the, the presidency like come on but i had like this like massive uh falling out like with a lot of like state level uh, le- legislators people in office campaign workers and i think you know kind of a little bit like what marcel says a lot of people you know this is understandable and you know this happens at the national level you know you're big hundreds of millions billions of dollars you know in campaign operations but that this is also happening at smaller levels. And it's also reflective of how a lot of times people involved in the political system will say, will tell you, get involved in state and local government because it actually impacts your life a lot more than the federal government does for a lot of the things that you actually do in your day-to-day life. And that's why these people will take it so seriously. And the amount of money it's taking to run state uh, House and the state Senate campaigns just keeps going up and up and up. And it's getting, you know, rather 
incredible how intense some of these more like local battles you know i've even seen some pretty nasty things play out over a merrill you know merrill ship of a town which was like a, had less executive power than the president has over the federal government of the, of the city council yes things were getting pretty gnarly for like this um merrill campaign it highlights how much goes on for the sake of power it highlights how much goes on not even and not even for the sake of the policies that uh people believe on i don't know if um we've if i've only made like these comments kind of when we've chit-chatted after the show if i've ever made these shows but like one of the ways like you know i've always been able to been friends with people across like different political lines and political ideologies was there's a difference between just believing in something for the sake of believing in something and believing in something because you legitimately think and have legitimate reasons it's the best way to help people and if someone is concerned about improving people's lives, helping them, you know, live better lives, helping them have easier, happier, more joyful lives where they are more free to do what they want and be able to self-actualize in the way, you know, that feels right to them. And we have different opinions about what we need to do to make that achievable and possible and more, you know, more available than that than is in the status quo. I can work with that person. We can talk something, you know, we can talk something out. We can figure out, you know, what we really need to do because at the, at the heart of it, it isn't what we believe. It is our concern and care for the people that these policies impact. And as much as I am this pretty left-wing person at, at some instance, I'm also a, a pretty hardcore consequentialist where I'm like, you know what, if there's less hungry kids and there's less sick people and there's less homeless people and these people are being taken care of and, you know, the way we're doing it isn't also harming people, then I'm, I don't I don't mind how that happens. The hungry are getting fed and the sick are getting cared for and people are being done right by them. I don't care what the policy is titled or who's enacting the policy. I care that the human that's living their life isn't is suffering as much and having more benefits. And politicians like these are the examples of just willing to do everything who don't believe in anything, even for believing anything, and especially don't even care for the people they say they believe, they believe in these things for. Well, before we go to hot takes, uh, TJ, do you have anything you want to cover or say? No, I think we're good. All right. Well, we'll be right back with our hot takes. You're listening to the Central Hub for Political Discourse. All right. Uh, now for our hot takes, I'll turn it over to Marcelo to go first. I think Josh put it pretty beautifully. I, I think, you know, despite political disagreements that we might have, and we do have pretty much all of the time, I think there's two things that we can hopefully agree on, and this one that is this kind of political violence is, is not okay. It's specific on when you're trying to use the power that you were given by other constituents to wield it against somebody. An institutional power that also speaks on the idea of like, once you have this power, you are trying to use it to uh, same power and oppress others who might also be trying to do change. And the second one is if you're trying to get people better lives, materially better lives, then I, you know, at the end of the day, as long as you can get that done, I will protest. Yes, but I will uh, still, uh, I, I guess, be a little, a, a little kinder with what I'm going to say. But yeah, I wish you the best, TJ. I, I hope that everything goes well. Everything will go well. And, and, and I, this is, this is just another example of discussing um, political agenda. All right. So my first hot take is that censorship is real. And this is not something that we really hit on. We've touched on in the past and we can hit on in the future. But it, it does bother me that a single entity, I mean, yes, of course, they're up to an extent, a private company. But it bothers me when, when someone holds the lever of power and they can just shut down something for arbitrary reasons. I, I truly do not believe that the last video being taken down met a burden of proof for YouTube to censor it. I, I don't, especially because they weren't specific in that. If you can't point and say this is exactly what's wrong, and why, then it doesn't really matter. You're, you're just looking for reasons to take stuff down. That, that bothers me. Uh, what bothers me more than that, though, is that power-hungry corruption is real. I mean, of course, you've got activists who can do a lot of damage and they can be scary, but it really, really bothers me and it should terrify people that someone like Claire Worth is on the campaign trail and is willing to do whatever it takes to win. Still doing terribly at it, but that's, that's besides the point. The point is she is doing everything in her power, including attempted bribery, threatening people who stand in her way. That, that that should be terrifying, that there are politicians out there who are not only doing that, but are allowed to do it. There are people helping them cover this up. I'm not saying YouTube is helping them do that, but if you are failing to allow people to voice what's going on, you start drifting over into complicit. Number three, politicians should never be worshipped or blindly followed. I mean, I, I feel like we shouldn't have to say this, and yet the amount of people who blindly follow a party or a politician is astounding. So, you know what? If you've got reasons for voting for a particular person, that's on you. Come on the show and we'll discuss them, and I'll disagree with you or agree with you. That's why we're here. But uh, don't follow blindly 
for the sake of following, right? Just because Claire is a part of the GOP doesn't mean you need to think that she has good ideas if you support the GOP. I know Josh and Marcella certainly are not going to do that, but don't follow politicians blindly. Also, I'll say Claire Worth is a great example of, you know, don't be stupid twice. I'm glad she did because she needs to be caught for this. And really, it's not going far enough. But I mean, just really signals a lot of incompetence that's allowing us to just channel that right into Congress potentially. So hottest take, and I'll wrap it up here. Claire Worth should never hold a political office of any kind. She should never hold power over anyone to any degree. And I'll leave it at that. So I'll start my hot take by saying I'm an anti-fascist punk, and I've been at the scene of political violence play out on the street. I've been on the receiving end of it. I've been trying to prevent it to happen. I stood on the side of the road in October of 2017, three months after Charlottesville, because the same groups that had the Unite the Right, you know, these identity ropa, oath keepers, awful groups that earnestly, by even titling the Charlottesville rally Unite the Right, were trying to, in my opinion, harm other legitimate conservatives who want and believe in their system and trying to help people, but bringing in their nastiness. And we knew the road that they were going to be driving into Murfreesboro on. And the city government had asked us to you know, not go down to the square and not cause a direct confrontation because they were afraid of violence breaking out. But we also wanted to show that it didn't matter if people wanted to enact political violence, that they couldn't back us down, that they couldn't um, turn us away. And so what we decided to do is we knew that these people were going to come in here, scream hateful things. We knew there was a couple pretty violent people that were going to be uh, coming in. We decided that we should have, in one part, a community picnic and just completely ignore them and celebrate, you know, being together and being a community and say, you know, we understand this is happening. We understand there's this, you know, kind of evil invading our town from outside because they were literally busing people in from outside of the county and out of the state just to make their protests look bigger. And we put ourselves on the side of the road that they were driving up in, knowing that these same groups of people had driven a car into a crowd in Charlottesville and killed had their hair. We put ourselves on the side of the road with our signs and protest marks and songs so that the first thing they could see when they came into our town was that we're not going to take this. And so if there's anything I've learned over my years that can I can even, even pass along to other people is that you are never going to bring peace through violence. There will never be peace through war. You will never have a better tomorrow with a gun barrel. You will maybe get to tomorrow and you may have to do that sometimes. But when we're talking about a world of where we want something truly different, where we want something truly better, these tools and systems of violence and destruction and the degradation of human life into something expendable has to end. This fundamental disvaluement of a precious human being, of a life that has infinite value, of undescribable worth that can be tossed aside for political gain, not only just one person, but at the scales of millions. That is what has to end for us to have a better tomorrow, is to look at another human being and to say, to be human is enough is to be enough to be cared for, to be enough to be valued, to be enough to be loved. And we're never going to get out of this system of a feedback loop of violence in that way. You know, the four of us right now are resisting this violence by sitting here having a conversation between people who have a whole spectrum of, you know, political disagreements. You know, Ryan and Marcelo probably representing, you know, your more traditional lines and TJ and I probably out there making sure that the edges of uh, the edges of each ideology are here too. But even in this moment, we can say that better world we want tomorrow is not one that has people killing each other over political opinions. That's just not a future that we can have. That's not something we want. And so the solution is building community. It's building value, you know, it's building yourself, it's building others, it's taking care of others in need. In this sense, you know, even sure, you know, TJ, you know, we're gonna speak to and you know, protecting your community, you know, sometimes when it calls to, because uh, sometimes you're not given the option. Sometimes some guy's gonna pull a gun on you. Sometimes a guy's gonna run a car into your protest. That no one should ever have to feel threatened or, or violence like that. We can disagree. We can resist policies that are hurting our communities. We can fight back. We can push back. But if you think you're going to solve this with bloodshed, violence doesn't bring peace, and it never, ever will. For my hot takes, long rope in a tall oak tree. I'd call the police after I whipped his ass. Chain cement block, put him in the bottom of the river. These are all things that were said about me by the supporters of Eric Dieters for governor after the smear campaign got started. 
These are credible threats. And frankly, I don't blame those people for making those statements, given what Eric Dieters, one of Claire Worth's best friends in politics, decided to accuse me of. The demagogues are to blame for this. And simply put, Claire Worth and Eric Dieters are demagogues. They utilize lies, intimidation, threats, bribery, and every other form of institutionalized corruption at their disposal to get their way. While they don't have political power yet, God help us if they ever get it. And I say that as someone who truly does pray for their best interests. Whether that best interest is them getting Baker acted, I don't know. But I can truly say this, someone who's willing to resort to this, no matter where your policy is, they're not on your side. If tying cement blocks to your ankles and throwing you to the bottom of a river is beneficial to their politics, they would do it in a heartbeat. Even if philosophically they agreed with everything that you said. In fact, the first thing that Claire Worth attacked Thomas Massey on in her first campaign statement was the fact that he voted against a bill that funded Planned Parenthood and had nationwide mail-in voting. That was her first political attack against him. But now instead, she's trying to argue that he's not conservative enough. These people don't believe in anything but the empowerment of themselves. Second hot take is the reasoning why YouTube took these videos down. It wasn't about privacy. Everything that was stated was public. The faces of the consultants was on their public website. The FEC reports was on their public website. The Facebook comments were on, was on a public page about a public campaign on a matter of public interest. Nothing private was ever revealed. But the fact is, if they let this exposure of corruption slide, then perhaps exposure of their own corruption would have to slide as well. And that's the thing about corruption or anti-corruption. There is no middle ground to be had. Once you let in a single drop of corruption, there is no amount of corruption that you would not be willing to stoop to. You have to actively be against corruption. The fact is, no matter what, no matter where we are on the philosophies on these ends, we have to have a united front against these policies that ultimately give people with compromised moral compasses the ability to take power over those that actually stand on principle. And that's the thing that I love about this group of people here is that I know for a fact, even if I'm disagreeing vehemently with every word that is being said, I know it's coming from the right place. I know it's coming from a non-corrupt position. And I just, I wish that there was more of this in this country because God knows we need it. I mean, we have corruption in this nation that would impress the old 1920s mafia. And that's the thing. This truly is mafia tactics here where they're just whipping up a, whipping up a metaphorical mob to come after people because they're actually exposing the truth about these individuals. All right. Well, TJ, thank you for joining us. You've always got a spot on here. Just hit us up if this gets any more interesting or dangerous. We'll give you a platform. Uh, remember, you can find us on Spotify, Apple, YouTube, Twitch, and Google Podcasts. And if you want the super secret, too spicy for YouTube takes, go to our website. Uh, follow us on our social medias to stay updated. And uh, hey, if you enjoy this show, why don't you give us a five-star review, share us with your friends, help us beat that algorithm, get an even higher platform. We'll catch you back here next week. Goodbye for now.